From the Chattanooga Area Chamber of Commerce, I'm Jeremy Henderson. And I'm Christy Gillenwater, and this is Chattanooga Works. talk to anyone involved with Chattanooga 2.0, you'll hear the phrase cradle through career a lot. That's because it's a phrase that encapsulates a pretty audacious mission, to transform our perspective on education here in the Tennessee Valley to one that follows and supports students through their entire journey. That's what Chattanooga 2.0 has been focused on for the past two years of its existence. To help walk us through where 2.0 has been and where it's going next, I'm joined today by Jared Bigham, Executive Director for 2.0, and Robin Casey, Director of Programs for 2.0. Welcome, Jared and Robin. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Why don't we start with a little bit about your own backgrounds. How did both of you get involved in education and and with 2.0 specifically? Uh, My background, I'm a fourth-generation educator. I started out actually as a middle school science teacher, was an elementary principal, high school principal, eventually a principal of a feeder pattern, and then I did state policy work for a couple of years and um, was headed back to my hometown to be a principal again when this opportunity came. The, the partners, the founding partners of 2.0 uh, were some folks I knew and had worked with and brainstormed with. And they asked me if I would help start this uh, 2.0 coalition and wake up every day helping drive this work. And I was very honored to do that. And, and before Robin gives her background, I'll say that uh, there was a intense recruitment effort to get her back in Chattanooga. So we're very blessed to have her here. And I, I pulled out all the stops to get her from Nashville back back home to Chattanooga. Thanks, Jared. I am, um, Jared's right, I'm from Chattanooga. And I consider myself one of those lucky people that always knew I wanted to be a teacher. So I was a fifth grade teacher here in Chattanooga and then an administrator before moving to Nashville where I worked on my graduate work for a little while and worked for Metro Nashville Public Schools. I was a principal there and then worked at central office as a director of professional development before I heard about this great initiative, Chattanooga 2.0. And Mm -hmm. I had been wanting to come home and so it was a great opportunity to, to come home and join in this work. Excellent. So let's start with the why. Chattanooga 2.0 represents a coalition that was formed over two years ago in response to a need. Can you tell us what the need was and give us a little bit of history on Chattanooga 2.0? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The initial need was around workforce development and talent development. Uh, Some community members came together, educators, business leaders, Uh, philanthropy, and they were pulled together by the Benwood Foundation, Hamilton County Schools, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, uh, PEF, Public Education Foundation, and uh, had a brainstorming session back in 2015 around the talent issues in Hamilton County and how industries across all sectors and companies were really struggling to find local talent to fill jobs and most communities struggle with creating jobs or attracting new industry but our challenge was we had uh, blue billion jobs but we didn't have a local workforce to fill that so those founding partners decided you know we've done this once as a community Chattanooga 1.0 was really about place and the revitalization of downtown and 2.0 is going to be about people and the development of local talent. Excellent. 
so when I said your mission was audacious, I wasn't kidding. Um, you guys have some pretty big metrics, some ambitious goals that you've set for yourselves, goals that are attached to really hard numbers. Can you tell me what those are? Yeah, we have two overarching bold goals, and, and those goals were developed over 100 days uh, based on community feedback from over 3,600 stakeholders we talked to, and we uh, finally arrived at what we feel like are two drivers that could uh, dramatically change uh, the cradle-through career dynamic in this community. One is that we double the number of Hamilton County graduates that receive a post-secondary credential that has market value within six years of graduating. The number's around 35% at the time we set the metric, and we're shooting for uh, almost 70% uh, by 2025. And the other metric that we hold ourselves uh, accountable for is uh, 75% of work age community members in Hamilton County have a post-secondary credential. And that really was uh, in response to two things. One, the governor's Drive to 55 initiative that 55% of Tennesseans have a credential. So we were starting down that pathway anyway based on the state initiative. But also our research showed that 82% of the uh, uh, living wage jobs in this community required some type of post-secondary credential to access those jobs. So we felt like we had to go beyond the 55% mm -hmm. goal and set a goal that was very bold at 75%. So you've given us a little bit of history on how 2.0 came about. I think this is a good time to talk about how you arrived at the cradle through career concept. Sure, I, and I sometimes just mention that offhandedly, and, and if you're not embedded in this work or in education or economic development, people look at me a little crazy when I say cradle through career. Uh, but really, when we start having the conversations around workforce development, talent development, people said, well, this must be a post-secondary issue. We need to fix something in post-secondary at either our junior colleges or our four-year schools or our technical schools. And people in, in the post-secondary community said, well, you know what? It's actually the kids coming out of high school that's the issue. They're, they're not prepared. So we talked to high school educators and administrators, and they said, well, you know, it's the middle school kids that, that are the issue. And eventually, you know, elementary got the blame. And then elementary school said, well, the kids aren't coming to kindergarten prepared, which is accurate, only 42% of our kindergartners are coming to kindergarten on day one ready to learn that's that statistic is countywide if you look at our opportunity zone schools it's around 20 percent of our kindergartners are ready to learn on day one so eventually you know the blame kept going all the way back to almost blaming amniotic fluid before long and so we we said this really has to be a generational effort we can definitely do some immediate things to triage and post-secondary and high school to help some of the uh, workforce needs, the acute needs that industry has so that we're not in this constant cycle of catch-up. Uh, we need to start at birth, supporting families, especially families in concentrated poverty with resources, connecting them to cognitive development resources and uh, programs and initiatives so that when kids start school, they're on track from day one and they stay on grade level all the way through post-secondary. So that's really why 
It's uh, and we say birth through career, honestly, because we've got a, a program that Robin helps lead around uh, meeting new parents in the labor and delivery hospital. So when we say birth through career, we literally mean that uh, that we try to connect with every parent of newborns in the community all the way through young adults that are trying to uh, access a job. But if we're going to make a generational impact, it means we have to be very nimble and we have to work well with post-secondary partners in our local TCAT, our Tennessee College of Applied Technology in Chattanooga State, has been amazing when we come to them and say, uh, for example, Volkswagen, they may have a need around advanced manufacturing. Here's what uh, components they would like to see in a credential. And within a week, they've developed a uh, curriculum. They figured out a way to deploy it in multiple places, in, in high schools, in uh, outside of schools for young adults, and uh, or with uh, computer technology where we've got some students at Howard High School that are working in the mornings on their core classes and in the afternoons they work with a TCAD instructor on computer technician credentials so that when they graduate they'll be able to go to work June 1st with that credential in response to an industry demand. So that's part of what we do uh, in that workforce development space is really try to be responsive and nimble to the acute needs we have right now until we get a more sustained pipeline in place. Okay, so when people, you know, ask what has 2.0 been up to for the last couple of years, I know a lot of that has been focused around developing these action teams, correct? Um, and those sort of focus on those different areas along that continuum. Um, can you talk a little bit about those and, and how those are developed and what they're doing? Sure, I'll be glad to. So we are fortunate to have seven action teams that are made up of stakeholders from all around the community, organizations that volunteer their time to be a part of 2.0 and to be really invested in the work. Those action teams are divided into three main buckets, early childhood, K-12, and post-secondary and workforce development. Um, probably our largest action team is the Early Matters Coalition, which is a group of over 35 organizations focused on early learning in our community and it's a very active group of um, stakeholders in the community that are really invested in early learning that group is very active um, Jerry talked about the hospital visitation program mm -hmm. and that's uh, within our bold goals we have metrics that we're trying to meet and one of our metrics is that hundred percent of new parents in our community get the resources they need to be their child's best and first teacher. And that hospital visitation program is set up so that every parent of a newborn in a hospital at Erlanger or Park Ridge gets visited and taught, and taught about the Chattanooga Basics. So that's one of the programs that, that Early Matters Coalition is, is really involved in. Um, we just had a really successful pilot of Camp Kindergarten for to really target those kindergarten readiness data points that Jerry had mentioned in that we partnered with the district and had a camp for students who were about to enter kindergarten and early matters that was very instrumental in gathering community partners to really help with that initiative. So that's some examples of the early, early learning work that's going on in the community. And Rob, am I correct? There were over 20 partners involved in that kinder, Camp Kindergarten initiative. That's right. There were over 20 community partners that were involved in Camp Kindergarten. And Camp Kindergarten was so successful in the summer of 
18 that we're already planning for the summer of 19. And really, that pilot was so successful that we're really considering a Camp EL for English language learners based on that pilot. Okay, wow. So we're going to hear from uh, someone specifically about Chattanooga Basics um, in a little bit, but could you tell us... um, Camp Kindergarten, what what is entailed in that? Well, Camp Kindergarten was um, a camp for students who were about to enter kindergarten, and it was free, so it was a full-day program. It took place the month of June. It was four days a week, and uh, for four weeks, we had 20 classrooms in 13 schools all across the district. Each classroom had two teachers in it, a new teacher and a a master teacher. So it was not only a program for students, but a program for professional development for those new teachers to really learn what the classroom was going to be like before they began their teaching experience. We also had a parent component. So we had parent sessions, a morning session and an evening session for parents to choose from so that parents were educated and engaged in the process so that they could learn what it really meant to send your child to kindergarten. I, and I think one of the coolest aspects to me is the partnership from UTC and Chattanooga State. Uh, since we started 2.0, both the College of Ed at UTC and the education programs at Chattanooga State, really all the, the programs at both institutions have been engaged in this work. And uh, both schools of ed rearranged their schedule to have one specifically designed for as a practicum for their uh, teacher ed candidates. So uh, we had uh, their partnership and support as well in the program. So it's, it's very emblematic of how this coalition comes together. And that's really the the purpose of 2.0 we're conveners we're not implementers you won't see robin or i or any of the other 2.0 staff going in to do a literacy program although robin does volunteer in in a few of the schools um, but our job is really to, to identify problems that relate to the urgent strategies this community helped develop and uh, convene the partners that can help address those challenges and implement those strategies and connect them to the resources or just each other and then support them in implementing the work. Sometimes that means trying to get uh, external resources that we bring to the table that are financial. And sometimes with like Camp Kindergarten, it's just bringing over 20 organizations together and coordinating all that work. So Um, That's a lot of how we spend our day is convening people. A great example of that is that we had a literacy focus during Camp K as we knew we needed to really narrow down our focus. And so one of our community partners was talking letters and we were able to bring that curriculum in to supplement the curriculum that we were teaching with. And it really was a great lab experience for our teachers to try out a curriculum that they hadn't tried before to see if it was going to work with what we had. Yeah, and, and the cool thing is that it was designed by Hamilton County educators. And so uh, I think the more that, you know, we're reliant on our own resources, uh, you know, we don't turn down external resources, but, um, you know, the Chattanooga Way is famous for a reason. So when you have opportunities like talking letters that is a great curriculum and instructional tool and other resources like that, it just shows that, this community really invest time and, and uh, really brain power into getting the strategies we need implemented. That's great. Um, speaking of external resources, uh, 
looking a little further down that continuum, can you tell us a little bit about the Future Ready Institutes and the VWE Labs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's a funny story with the institutes. I remember having breakfast with Dr. Johnson one morning, and it was actually we were meeting about something else, and he said, hey, I've got an idea, and he started scribbling on a napkin, and I know that's almost cliche, but uh, he sketched out in front of me this idea of academies, career academies that could go in. At that time, it was just four high schools, and he said, let's get them in four high schools. We could uh, do an open enrollment, and they could be sector-specific, and um, I, I think it shows the vision and the just the commitment of Dr. Johnson that that idea that he started out on a napkin has blossomed into now over 20 uh, institutes. We call them institutes instead of academies, and uh, they're in over uh, they're in 13 schools. Some schools have multiple institutes in the high schools, and each one has a sector focus. And we started this year with a freshman cohort they uh, the students had to apply to get in the institute and they it was an open enrollment model so you could apply to any school in the district for any institute and uh, we partner with uh, companies industry leaders that uh, bring in real world experiences mm -hmm. for the students and uh, the curriculum looks different their english math history science are all uh, taught through the lens of that sector, whether it's health science or computer technology, and the teachers work collaboratively around that with the goal being that, say, in health science, that a, a student that has an interest and aptitude in that field, they can be anything from a, a nurse's assistant to a doctor to a radiologist. They can explore that career and really pursue a credential, and, and really the the uh, bottom line goals we hopefully graduate those students with some type of industry credential at a minimum by the time they leave the institute amazing so last question um thinking more big picture here um when you talk to people about this work um why is it so important uh i, I can give my thoughts and, I, and robin probably has a different perspective because she's in the trenches more uh, with our action teams, but I, I think the work is important because it's so multifaceted and, and unwieldy that it takes a really committed coalition across the community to continue to drive it. I, I, there are hundreds of collective impact communities across the country, and I can't point to one example that gets it right all the way from birth through career. They get it right in spots, but I haven't seen anybody do it for a generation yet and stay with it for 18 years. And so I feel like Chattanooga and Hamilton County could really lead the way in that. I think they've got the drive and the passion in this community and the commitment. And it's the work is hard because some of it's programmatic, you know, like Chattanooga Basics where you're literally implementing a program. And then some of it's really systemic change where you're bringing about uh, – uh, capacity building or changes to infrastructure or you're uh, 
catalyzing pilot opportunities to figure out what works so we can scale it up. So that's one reason it's, it's sometimes it's a challenge to define, define 2.0 because it is so multifaceted and it has so many different um, levels to the work. So I, th I guess from the 50,000 foot view, that's uh, how I see the work and its importance to the community and as a coalition. And Robin, you can probably speak to more of the day-to-day Commitment. Well, I think I think if our vision is to be the smartest community in the South, I think the only way we're going to do that is if we impact families, schools, and the workforce. And I think that's exactly what our work does with 2.0, especially in the in the three buckets of work that we've got going on. I mean, if we look at what we're doing in in the early childhood group, we're starting when parents first have their babies and and helping support families as they develop along the spectrum. And and that that work is just incredible just incredible and and so the work that we're doing to impact families will help us meet that goal and then if we look at what the great teachers great leaders action team is doing along the k-12 work and it's just amazing at the amount of quality educators that we're able to impact on a daily basis in our schools and so really the work that we're doing in in schools in partnership with the district and with the public ed foundation is is really impacting that and then when we look at what we're doing in post-secondary work and the workforce development really impacting our workforce and everybody who gets up every day and goes to work in our community and I think those three factors are really what's going to make us the smartest community in the South. Where can people go to get involved or learn more? Our website's a great place to start uh, for uh, basic information on 2.0. It's www.chat2.org. And also our uh, Twitter feed, Facebook, Instagram, uh, I don't think we've got Snapchat yet. We're not that cool, but we do have those other three social media platforms, and uh, there's a lot of information on our web, probably an overwhelming amount of information on our website. So um, that's where I would direct people. All right. Well, thank you both for being with us here today. Uh, Robin's going to stick around a little bit um, while we talk to some of the dedicated volunteers who are taking these concepts out into the community. Um, we'll start off with uh, Chattanooga Basics when we come back after the break. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Welcome back. When Chattanooga 2.0 says cradle through career, they really do mean cradle. Our next guest is going to help us understand what the basics are and how parents can use them to give their child a great start in life. Welcome Sylvia Ramos, director of the Chattanooga Basics. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, so basic question, what are the basics? So the Chattanooga Basics are five fun, simple, and evidence-based strategies that parents and caregivers can use in everyday life settings to boost children's brain development and to prime them for successful lifelong learning. And the best part is that they're free. So I'll cover what they are. Uh, first and foremost, maximize love and manage stress. Talk, sing, and point. Count, group, and compare. Exploring movement through play. And read and discuss stories. Okay. So how did you arrive at these five strategies? The basics were actually born out of the research 
um, that was led by Dr. Ron Ferguson out of the Achievement Gap Initiative at Harvard. So they came across a problem, and they found that a great amount of brain growth occurs in the first three years of life. Nationally, representative data was showing that there's a clear skill gaps by, um, by age two. And so one study even found that by age two, less advantaged children were six months behind more advantaged peers in language processing. That problem was compacted by the fact that many parents and caregivers have not had the opportunity to learn the importance and the science behind children's brain development. So subsequently, we were missing opportunities that lead to critical foundations for cognitive skills that are associated with academic and other types of learning. They came up with this solution, and it was five clusters of behaviors that any parent or can caregiver can use to boost brain development in children, uh, specifically in uh, birth to five. And they also developed a toolkit for the community stakeholders to support and encourage families to practice the basics. So, Sylvia, how might people in the community embrace the basics and kind of, you know, help you get the word out? What are some of your strategies to do that? So I think one of the most important strategies is that Ron, in his research, found that if we want to really create a movement where communities view this as important and want to encourage families, we kind of look at the fact that all families are supported and surrounded by different stakeholder groups, so faith-based organizations, schools, um, they are healthcare professionals, and what we can do is actually partner up with these different institutions to have them become a community basics partner. Mm. Um, you would basically, um, pun intended, uh, <laughs> go onto our website, which is www.chattanoogabasics.org, and there's a tab for getting involved. And we have toolkit um, information, everything from videos to um, tip cards and skill um, guides for everyone from, again, child care providers to parents uh, to think about how they can partner with us and really learn how to incorporate the basics in everyday life settings. So do these guides actually teach parents how to go through the basics with their children? Yes. So um, what they do is they walk you through everything from um, what are some of the ways that you can maximize love and manage stress, right? So for example, one of our tip cards talks about um, during stressful times, how important it is to take a moment, breathe with your child, um, hug them, tell them that you're proud of them, talk about their feelings and explain to them what is coming next because children feel safe when they understand what's happening in their surroundings. And some of these seem um, fairly simple, which, you know, goes with the name, I'm sure. Uh, but even I myself, when I look at some of these, um, they just don't, they're just not something you necessarily think about. When I, for instance, the, what is it, the counting and comparing one is not something I would have just thought about naturally, um, which is why I think it's important to help get word out to parents about this stuff. Can you talk, go into a little bit more detail about what makes up these different basics and, and how they work cognitively to give a child a, a head start? Sure. So in the first three years of life, you have a, a 
abnormal amount of um, connections that are occurring in the brain. And so these five behaviors are actually behaviors that the research shows creates the brain connections. For example, with count group and compare, when you are using math language with your children, like this is more or that is less, um, or you may be asking them to, for example, um, sort things by color, shape, and size, what you're actually doing is creating those connections in their brain that over the long term, become foundations for math literacy. Okay. And you can do this even before your child is talking. Absolutely. So, um, for again, from birth to five, these connections are occurring. And what we want to make sure that parents understand is that you actually have a really great opportunity to be your child's first and most important teacher. Well, and what I love about what you're creating is, is those those pathways that make it easier. Most parents don't have an early childhood degree, right? They they were not taught the basics. And so by kind of spoon feeding it to parents in a way that is um, understandable and something that they can activate. And uh, again, the under, overlying component of this too is engaging with your child too, right? So it's, it's giving tools and tricks where you can meet two, you know, needs at once, A, spending time with them, and then B, being thoughtful about it. Yes. So, Sylvia, you might talk, why were you drawn to this work? You've been on the job, what, about 60 days? Yes. So, um, I was drawn to this work because I am really passionate about how we think about supporting individuals to have equitable, lifelong um, outcomes around um, building successful lives. And I've had an opportunity to work in other parts of the education pipeline where we're building systems and resources to help people be successful um, in the K through higher ed uh, part of the pipeline. But this was a unique opportunity to really think about what is it that we could do if we weren't constantly trying to respond to the achievement gap, but we actually gave parents and caregivers the right tools so that everyone can be successful from the start of life. So that's really what's, I think, really unique and has the, the greatest potential for changing what our Chattanooga community can look like in terms of equity from the start. Mm -hmm. Well, and we need you. Your work is important, and so your passion is one that will um, really drive, I think, a lot of change and a lot of excitement, a lot of families throughout our community. So thank you. Thank you. So you might share a little bit about how this is a more innovative approach and you know how many communities are involved in the basics network, et cetera. So um, what is partly innovative about this is that this is something, these are tools that every community can use. They are free. We are thinking about how we can incorporate these different activities and how we can practice these basics in everyday life settings. So you don't need to buy a fancy toy or to sign up for anything that's going to be driven by whether or not you have the resources to provide this for a child. These are things that you can do every day, whether you're in the grocery store, whether you're driving somewhere. Um, no matter how busy you are, we are thinking of providing you with tools where you can incorporate this every single day. And I think another part that's really innovative about the basics is the fact that it does really require a community-wide um, effort, right? So one of the beauties of how 
the basics has been successful here in Chattanooga has been because it got so much buy-in and we developed so many champions for this work within the Early Matters Coalition. Um, and we have developed tools for anybody who's a part of the community to think about how you incorporate it. So we've got faith-based organizations that are utilizing it uh, by encouraging their parents um, through their sermons. And then we've got child care centers that are interested in how to um, provide this information to child care professionals and also how we provide that to the parents. Um, and then we've got other partners like the Creative Discovery Museum. We've got Read 20. Um, who are different types of partners that have institutionalized the basics through their programming. You've touched a little bit on the science. Are, are there statistics that show um, a marked difference in children that have access to early childhood education like this? So when we look at what happens when children are able to um, access these kind of interventions, what we've seen is that they're further along in their skill development. Um, and what is different about the basics is that we are now actually piloting. What does it look like when you don't have to depend on a family to have a significant amount of resources for them to have these types of interventions. Um, and right now we have partners across the country who are in the process of measuring what are the outcomes when children have been engaged with the basics for long periods of time. Okay. So if I want to get involved, if I'm a parent and I want to find out more, uh, where do I go? www.chattanoogabasics.com. Com. And actually, let me repeat that. Sure. www.chattanoogabasics.org. Thank you for being here, Sylvia. Thank you. Uh, we covered the cradle. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be moving a little further along the timeline and taking a look at the Future Ready Institutes. We'll be back in a moment. Uh, tell me who you are. Uh, Amanda Barron. I'm the Future Ready lead teacher here at Red Bank High School for the Institute of Engineering and Computer Science. Okay, great. And so we're <laughs> we're going to see basically the whole uh, step through the entire process. Sure. Yeah, we're going to start with they're all uh, the Future Ready kids are together. They are in collaborative partners based on their personality tests. So they did um, the Kersey and Myers Briggs test. Uh, at the very beginning of the year to get to know themselves and get to know the people around them because we have kids from out of zone. So not kids that have gone through the same feeder pattern. Um, we actually have two students from out of state that just moved here. So kind of what kind of students do we have um, and how well can we uh, work together? So they had to choose a partner that had two different letters than them So um, on their personality test. So yeah, I might be a strong thinker, but I'm definitely a strong writer or just based on um, their strengths. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, you're going to see um, some of the pre-planning they've done. They've got an engineering report that they're creating to go along with this. So not just, hey, let's build this boat, but let's document all the steps that we're taking. There's brainstorming, there's the research portion, there's sketching, there's preliminary models, the testing, and all that stuff that goes with it, too. Okay, and so these are freshmen? Freshmen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, let's go. Ahead. Let's go. I guess, why don't you tell me your names first? Isaiah, Shirley. My name is Christian. Good to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. So, so what are you working on here? We are making a boat out of some recycled material. Okay. Our uh, objective is to design and construct a functional electrical boat. So. Okay, so it has to be electric-powered and built from recyclable materials. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we have different sections for each activity. Yes. So like one, two, three. So first one was the problem statement. Our problem statement, the problem was we had to make a boat and we had to transport a port person over some water. The next section was to plan out everything. This was just like some brainstorming stuff. We had to create a brain map that were given ideas uh, we gave ideas of like materials and like pillar ideas and boat ideas. Uh, secondly, we tried to make some sketches. So this is our, uh, what essentially we thought were the initial designs. We have a pentagon boat we thought might work. We have uh, a boat with like a rim around it, a spherical boat, a cylinder boat, a square boat, and this triangle one right here. So okay. in the end, we essentially combined these two designs. Uh, this one, this triangle boat, uh, had a floater next to it, so we decided to use that. And this rim one had like a base right here with a little rim around it. So secondly, we had to do research about our project. He uh, did uh, the electrical and uh, 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 the electric circuit soldering and re- uh, research, and also the research for safety. Uh, so and uh, Ohm's Law, which is a... Uh, it's when... Uh, oh. So basically you guys taught yourself to solder. Yes. Okay. <laughs> with, with her assistance. <laughs> Safety precautions, but... Our next guest is Blake Freeman, an educator and director of the Future Ready Institutes. Welcome, Blake. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what the Future Ready Institutes are? Sure. So the Future Ready Institutes are a part of Hamilton County Schools. Uh, We have 20 institutes and 13 traditional high school locations. Um, All the institutes have a variety of career themes, uh, but one, some consistent things about them is they're all focused towards specific careers. Uh, They integrate English, math, science, social studies, as well as the career-focused class. And as much as we can, we like to uh, network with business partners to make uh, it a reality. Awesome. Um, and how did you guys arrive at this concept? So Future Ready Institutes are based upon the Career Academy model, which is not new to public education, but it's new to Hamilton County. Um, we were looking at our high school uh, students and just how can we develop a, an engaging program for students that pushes them uh, towards engaging instruction, uh, provides them opportunities to prepare for future careers, as well as taps into the workforce here in Chattanooga. And so uh, the Future Ready Institutes were um, 
created. I think it actually, the story goes, it started as a drawing on a napkin between uh, Dr. Johnson and uh, Dr. Bigham. And from there, uh, I was engaging our local businesses, the Chamber of Commerce, higher ed, and, uh, and our local school leadership to develop our institutes. And you might share a little bit more, Blake, around, you know, what institutes did you all decide to go with sure. and kind of some of the reasoning behind those in the classroom? Yeah. And so, you know, really a few things come into play whenever we think about our institutes. Uh, we, we want them to actually lead to um, actual jobs that are going to be available. And so uh, one example is you look at Chattanooga, there's a huge need um, in health care. Okay, and so uh, Erlanger Hospital was one of the first uh, partners to step up and say, you know, we'd like to partner with the school district in providing uh, a, an institute that specifically drove students uh, towards um, health care and health care management. And so they developed the Erlanger Institute of Healthcare and Innovation at the Howard School. And it's preparing students to go into therapeutics and diagnostics as well as medical assisting. Um, and that's an example of that program was not in existence prior to Future Ready Institutes, but we saw a need and developed a program. So we have anything from uh, that going on there. EPB stepped up and said, you know, we really have a need in uh, technology and networking. And so we'd like to partner with the Tyner School. And so they've partnered with Tyner Academy. That was a program that was not in existence last year, but that's coming uh, to fruition. We also, uh, looking uh, at Hamilton County Schools especially, there's a need for minority teachers and teachers of science and mathematics. And so uh, Tyner Academy partnered with UTC to develop uh, the Tyner Institute of Teaching and Learning. Um, we have institutes in advanced manufacturing to type in what's happening at Volkswagen and Gestomp and other types of uh, industry models like that. And so that's really what we want to do. We want to engage the business community and make sure that we're not just coming up with institutes because we think it's a neat idea, uh, but it's coming up with an institute that actually leads towards uh, filling workforce demand here locally. Well, and I think that's what we have to commend you all on is that you really did reach out to the business community and said, let's partner together and let's work through what your needs are. So uh, kudos to you all on that. So how, um, t talk a little bit about, you know, the timeline here. I mean, it's been a yeah. fa fast pace. It's it really amazing what you all have accomplished and the amount of students you're now servicing. So you might talk through that a little sure. bit. Sure. So uh, a year ago, I was sitting as a principal in a school mm -hmm. and uh we, we have a new superintendent who started, Dr. Brian Johnson, last July. Um, he started talking about this idea of uh, career academies and future ready institutes. Um, I was asked to come on board at, at the district office and uh, lead this work, and um, I was glad to do so. It seemed extremely exciting and, and really aligned with what I wanted to do. Uh, and so it was Monday after Thanksgiving when was the first day of the job. And I sat down in the superintendent's office and was given a piece of paper front and back of here's all the ideas that we have now go run with it. And so it's uh, from there, it became just engaging um, not only business leaders, um, but the chamber. Uh, it was engaging higher ed. It was engaging people that had already done some work. Benwood Foundation had uh, had already previously done some work to bring Erlinger on board. Um, it was lots of meetings with principals about, you know, where do you see your school uh, fitting into this model? And so uh, it was December when we brought, December of 17, when we brought principals together and said, 
here's what it means to be an institute, and let's move forward. So in January, we began to uh, iron out the blueprint and the skeleton of what the institutes would look like. We went public in March uh, of, of this year to let people know here's what the institutes were. Um, we marketed our institutes towards uh, eighth graders that were moving into ninth grade this year. Um, gave them the option to go into an institute that was uh, in their school zone or an institute that may be out of their school zone, depending upon what their interest and aptitude uh, was. In April, we had an information night and uh, opened it up. And so in the first year, we have roughly 3,000 students that are freshmen in Hamilton County Schools. 1,200 of them are involved in a Future Ready Institute. So it's about a third of our students um, that are involved. We're excited because 66 of them made the decision to move from their school where they're zoned and move into a school where uh, it matches their interest and aptitude. And so we're excited about that because uh, those students have that opportunity to, to move into something that they're interested in. So it's been exciting. And, and now where we are is fine-tuning the teaching and learning piece, but at the same time uh, looking at what does 2019-2020 look like because we have freshmen that will move into sophomores. We have some schools that we'll be announcing pretty soon that are wanting to add an additional institute because they just see this as a transformative uh, process in their school. And then uh, we'll be uh, a lot earlier this year in marketing and getting the word out uh, for students to apply for next year. Well, great job on really driving those numbers, one-third of the student body. That's mm -hmm. that's amazing of freshmen. So you might talk, Blake, about what what does that look like in terms of curriculum for a student, like like the, the typical high school experience versus the institute, like mm -hmm. how, how that, that changes. So it, it, we've all been through traditional high school experiences, and, mm -hmm. and you enter as a ninth-grade student, and number one, you're overwhelmed probably, and you're given a schedule in your hand, and you're going to find these different classes, and you go to your English class, for a period of time then you may go to math science and social studies and maybe you're lucky and you have some electives during the day uh, that are really exciting um, in a traditional setting uh, those teachers are not talking to each other usually about in my math class I'm teaching this well in my English class I'm teaching that and definitely uh, not a lot of engagement of the what we would call the CTE teacher was a career and technical education teacher and so uh, what we've done with the Future Ready Institute is created a small learning community. We know that students, when they're engaged in a smaller learning community um, with like-minded students who are all interested in similar things, uh, that they have a lot of success. This is the reason why students that are in band or in musical theater or in a sports team or an ROTC oftentimes have a lot of success because they feel this ownership and this engagement. And so we create small learning communities. Uh, we specifically schedule students so that they attend classes with students who have this interest in this career. Um, we provide time during the school day for these teachers to converse with each other. The exciting part is that the teaching method is very engaging, and so it's based upon uh, project-based learning, which we know is a very effective, engaging way to involve students. As a recovering English teacher from high school, uh, I can't tell you how many times you get that question, and it happens every day in high school. How am I going to use this whenever I get out of uh, high school? And so if we're not connecting those dots, then the students will not see the relevancy. And so we create 
project-based learning tasks. We involve business to be able to help drive what that problem looks like. And um, students are developing uh, a product using English, math, science, and social studies to be able to uh, deliver that product. So it brings relevancy, it brings engagement, and it's also a great way to involve our partners. Well, and I, um, I spoke to some pretty impressive students earlier today who were um, building boats, um, electric-powered boats, to run an obstacle course designed uh, to mimic the Odyssey, so bringing English into it as well. Um, and, I, and I think uh, a big part of this um, is the fact that they do choose this, right? And um, while, it, at least it appeared to me when I, when I was at uh, Red Bank High sure. earlier, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're surrounded by students who maybe didn't choose to go into this, but they're getting exposed to it anyway. You know, they're seeing the things that these other students are doing. They're, they have access to the VWE lab if they want to go in there. Um, and so hope, I'm assuming that hopefully um, you guys are, are, are hoping that that will bring in even more students in future years. Absolutely. You know, uh, as much as I would love to say that my words and my gray hair are going to appeal to kids uh, to sign up for an institute, I know that's not true. And so actually one thing that we're doing is in January of this coming year, we're going to train about 120 of our students to be student ambassadors for their institutes. They'll be the ones that travel with the high schools down to the middle school to talk about what's happening in their school. They'll be, they'll be the ones that are available for information nights. And really, you know, when, when I'm an eighth grader or I'm a ninth grader and someone that looks like me and sounds like me starts to share about this engaging experience and guess what it happened at school, um, that's going to, you know, kind of whet my appetite to be a part of it too. So absolutely, that's what we hope to be the result. Okay. Um, if I'm a student um, and I want to sign up for one of these, um, is it just available do I just talk to my teacher, my counselor? Yeah, so if you're a, a student that's in middle school or you're a parent of a middle schooler, um, the best thing is to engage your middle school counselor and talk to them about how can I get involved. Uh, it's also great to be listening and uh, watching for events that we have coming up. So we have a website, uh, hcde.org slash future ready. Uh, you can follow us at Twitter at, at HCS Future Ready, and uh, we'll be announcing the application process that will be available in January, which is just an interest application. It's not a lot of pre, it's no prerequisites. Uh, it's just, are you interested in this institute? Uh, we'll have some information nights coming up in February and uh, start to get the word out. And what I love about it too, Blake, is to your point, you have 66 students who have chosen not to go to their um, districted school, if you will, if mm-hmm. that's the right term. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this opportunity, and that's something, again, we can, need to continue to communicate, is mm-hmm. that if your child is interested in an institute that is not their districted school, mm-hmm. then there are opportunities Absolutely, for them. yeah, there are. That's great. And if I'm a business and I see a particular need that I need to fill or I just want to get involved somehow, the same website, same contacts. Yeah, and, and on top of that, you know, I'm gonna I'll throw my email address out there. It's Freeman uh, underscore Blake at hcde.org. Uh, you can contact the chamber as well. We're doing a lot of work with the chamber to create industry councils, and so there's tons of opportunities. Uh, we have we're very proud of all the partners that we already have. There's lots of ways that people can get involved. 
Yeah, and that's a great point. We were so excited when uh, you, along with Superintendent Johnson, approached us about uh, working together on the industry councils. And so uh, Maddie Moran and Molly Blankenship on our team are heading up those efforts and um, really jazzed about that opportunity to pull together sector groups to talk collectively about you know, what their needs are and uh, really lean in heavily to the relationship and figure out how you know we can really think uh, about work-based learning opportunities and how to engage more employers and their employees in the schools. So kudos to all of you for reaching out to us and wanting to partner. No, thanks for partnering with us. Absolutely. Thank you for being here, Blake. Thanks. Keep it up. Definitely. That's going to do it for us this week. Be sure to tune in next week for the final episode of our first season of Chattanooga Works. We'll be talking to a couple of exciting local chamber members with great stories to tell. Until then, work at Chattanooga. Chattanooga Works is a production of the Chattanooga Area Chamber of Commerce. It's hosted by me, Jeremy Henderson, and Christy Gillenwater. Production and music by Eric Lissica. Our executive producer is Sybil Topol, with editorial assistance from Amanda Ellis. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks.